Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the People Processes Podcast, where we dive deep into the tools, laws, and yes, processes that you need to know in order to scale and grow your organization. On this podcast, we help you structure your business processes to make your people your organization's greatest competitive advantage. Don't forget, you can find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and pretty much any podcatcher of your choice. You can also subscribe at peopleprocesses.com, which will give you exclusive subscriber-only content. Here is your host, Rami Alajil, author and CEO of People Processes. Today, we're actually trolling Reddit. See, uh, my wife is a big Reddit user. I'm not. But she told me there's this subreddit called Ask HR. And uh, she went through there and pulled a couple of cool questions that had come up. And this was one of the ones that I thought uh, would be interesting because you know, most of the questions on there are from an employee perspective. This one is one that I've actually had employers bring up with me just in the last few weeks. So I wanted to uh, help people figure out what's going on. Okay, so here's the question that was posted to Reddit. COVID has caused my wife's company to issue a non-compete. That's the title. Policy. My wife has been with her company for seven years. It's a sales-based job. That's important. She's extremely good at it, and what she sells has become a passion for her. COVID has hit her particular industry really hard, and as to be expected, her company has really tightened up. Salary reductions company-wide, policy changes, a lot of furloughs, firings, etc. She's been spending the last month looking at other jobs, and being that it's commission-based, her current resume of clients would benefit her greatly if she were to take another job in the same field. Her company, after seven years, just sent it out a non-compete contract to all of the sales team. This would effectively make any potential future job worthless since she would be dumping her high-paying salary, even if it's currently reduced, and starting from absolute zero because her field is completely commissioned. Her non-compete would forbid her to reach out to any current customers from her company. She's feeling super stuck and overwhelmed now and is really hesitant to sign it. What happens if she doesn't? Does she have any options here? Any help or advice is greatly appreciated. Thanks. Edit. Located in Maryland. Very good. Okay, so people get these words mixed up, and I don't know if the poster is aware of the differences between non-competes, non-solicitation, and what we call company secrets or trade secrets, which falls under the duty of loyalty. Let's talk about each one of those and how this matters, uh, what's going on. When people say a non-compete, they mean you can't work in this industry, okay? So a non-compete wouldn't say if you go to a competitor, uh, you can't take your clients with you. Uh, this a non-compete would say you can't go to a competitor, okay? So I don't know if he's using the right verbiage here, but I'm going to take him at his word that it's a non-compete. Uh, and that her primary concern is that she would not be able to take her clients with her. Employers come to me with this too. They say, hey, my, I'm, I'm going to lose one of my employees. They're going to go to my competitor. I'm afraid that they're going to call on all of our current clients. Well, it's a reasonable fear. It's very important. That's why especially, uh, that's why you expel out a lot of these sort, sort of items in contract when you sign people. Not contracts, but agreements. Uh, okay. Let's talk first about the duty of loyalty. An organization's current employees fall under a duty of loyalty to the organization. Each state defines that a bit differently. In general, employees are not permitted to induce current customers, suppliers, or other employees 
to leave the organization, nor are they allowed to operate a competing business while still employed by the organization. When that duty is breached, the employer may be entitled to collect lost profits, punitive damages, out-of-pocket costs incurred to train replacements, etc. Offending employees may be forced to forfeit their salaries or to, and to give up any profits they made as a result of the disloyal conduct. In addition, courts may issue injunctions forbidding employees engaging in similar conduct for a specified period. Under the duty of loyalty, the law generally prevents an individual from using trade secrets or proprietary information of a current or former employer to the detriment of that current or former employer. So this is important. The duty of loyalty exists without any sort of agreement, even in a net will state. The duty of loyalty is the expectation that people will keep things safe. Now, it's always better to spell out everything, right? Uh, but this would be about your non-disclosures, right? It's keeping things secret. What is a trade secret? So, so he's worried about a non-compete. My, my expectation is that she's probably already signed a non-disclosure, something that recognizes trade secrets. A, and if she doesn't, the company doesn't actually have to have it. Again, this duty of loyalty exists whether you sign paperwork to that effect or not. But it helps if you spell it out. What is a trade secret? A trade secret can be information that derives independent economic value from not being generally known or readily ascertainable. So if it's something that isn't generally known and is worth something, it's a trade secret. Among the things that can be trade secrets are formulas, patterns, compilations, programs, devices, methods, techniques, processes. Other things the courts have found to be trade secrets are machining processes, blueprints, stock picking formula, customer lists, pricing information, and non-public financial data. On the other hand, such uh, information like overhead rates and profit margins that help define a price may be found to be a trade secret even if the price itself is known, so things that contribute to your strategy count. 48 states and the District of Columbia have adopted in whole or in part the Uniform Trade Secrets Act. It's to make this a lot easier. The UTSA codifies the basic principles of common law trade secret protections and may afford employers protection even in those states like California where restrictive covenants are not generally enforceable. We'll talk about that in a second. The UTSA protects an employer from misappropriation and misuse of actual trade secrets, which are defined as information, including a formula, pattern, compilation, program, device, method, technique, process, drawing, data, or customer list, right there in the law, that derives independent economic value, actual potential, from not being general known to, uh, not, not being generally known or readily ascertainable by other persons who can value, who can obtain economic value from its disclosure or use is the subject of efforts that are reasonable under the circumstances to maintain its secrecy. An employer must take reasonable measures to maintain the confidentiality of trade secrets. In determining whether reasonable steps have been taken, courts balance the cost and benefits on a case-by-case -case basis. Even states that have not adopted the UTSA, which are very few, generally accord pretty similar stuff um, to trade secrets. Um, uh, there's what's called the restatement of torts, which is kind of the common law version of this. You don't have to worry about it. 48 states and D.C. cover this. To determine whether a piece of information is a trade secret, states uh, following those, those unusual ones, those restatement of torts, will, will examine the following six factors. The extent to which the information is known, the extent to which it's known by the employees and others involved in the business, the extent of measures taken by the business to guard the secrecy of the information, the value of the information to the business and its competitors, that's big, right? A customer list in certain industries, I don't know what she's in, 
could be highly valuable. The amount of effort or money expanded by the business in developing the information, these are difficulty with which the information could be properly acquired or duplicated by others. So the, the more secret you keep it, the more you put into keeping it secret, the more valuable it is, the more likely it is a, straight, uh, a trade secret. So, Reddit poster. It's entirely likely that your customer list is already a trade secret. They're asking you to sign a non-compete. That's a different thing. If she can sign the non-compete and go work at a competitor, it's not a non-compete. It's a non-solicitation, a non-disclosure, something like that. But it may already be covering things that are in there. Now, if it is a non-compete and what you're actually stressed about is, hey, if she signs this, she'll have a problem going and working somewhere else. And those exist. We call those broadly restricted covenants, restrictive covenants, as in a promise to restrict, restrictive covenant. Um, we also call them non-competes, non-competition agreements. They are contracts, contractual arrangements, contracts, that restrict employees' rights to compete with their employer for a period of time following termination of employment. Once reserved for the highest level executives, researchers, uh, and outside sales personnel, non-compete agreements are being increasingly used with mid-level managers, technical staff, and any other employers who de whose departure could create a competitive disadvantage. Outside sales personnel have been falling under non-competes for a very long time, so it's not unusual to see them. Unlike the common law duty of loyalty, an agreement not to compete prohibits conduct that takes place after the employment relationship has ended, and it's not limited to wrongful contact, such as stealing client lists. So pulling the client list and, and using that, that's one thing. Non-solicitation of existing clients, that's kind of a mid-tier mid step. Non-compete says you can't even compete with me. I don't know where this it actually falls. But non-solicitations and non-competes uh, both have a, some interesting parts. Before embarking on a campaign to have employees sign non-compete agreements, you should consider a ca few cautionary points, employers who are listening. Considering these points will also help companies draft workable, enforceable agreements, because a lot of these agreements are actually not enforceable. Courts in all states dislike non-compete agreements and welcome the opportunity to limit or eliminate them. They are the most hated things by uh, judges in the business world. You gotta have a really good reason. The sentiment is largely based on a desire to allow individuals to earn a living in the field of their choice. Non-competes restrict that. Agreements that are too broad are likely to be tossed out or at least rewritten by a judge in the states that allow for such an option. Not all states do. Some say if the judge, you just gotta throw the whole thing out. As a general rule, courts will consider the following factors in determining whether to enforce a restrictive covenant. Does the employer have a legitimate interest in being protected from the employee's competitive activity? A court may refuse to re enforce a restriction that is too broadly drafted, even though the employer may be able to demonstrate a legitimate business interest worthy of protection. It needs to be as narrow as possible. Is the restriction reasonable in light of all the circumstances? By reasonable, the courts would mean that, there is an, that the agreement is no more restrictive upon an employee than necessary to protect an employer's legitimate business interests. Is the restriction reasonably limited in time and geography? This is a big one. The agreement must contain a, a reasonable time restriction. Such a time restriction will be based on such factors as the time it would take to train a new employee and for customers to become familiar with this employee and eliminate the identification between the employer's business and the former employee. The geographical scope of the restriction must be limited to areas necessary to protect the employer's interests as well. So, 
outside sales personnel, they often fall, they often get non-competes. The restriction is normally for some period of time that's long enough for them to bring in a new outside salesperson, take your clients that you had before, and get them used to the new guy. Will enforcing the restriction harm public interest? This is a big one, especially at executive level positions. Will any aspect of public policy be effective if the agreement is enforced? This factor tends to be the least definitive. However, the following example could be illustrative. An employer hospital requires restrictive government with the only cardiac surgeon in a 500-mile radius, and that surgeon then leaves the hospital. If the restrictive covenant were to require the subject to not complete within a 200-mile radius, the public would be severely harmed by this covenant. So that's kind of where that pops in. Now, this is the big one, and this is the one that I think Mr. Reddit user may save you. Was there reasonable consideration given in return for the restricted covenant being signed? Most states require an employee's agreement to non-competition restrictions to be in exchange for receiving something of value. In fact, all of them that I know of. Um, so what are those things of value? It could be the initial job offer. That's absolutely accepted. A raise or promotion or extra benefits upon leaving the organization. So you have to give someone a reason. So for example, one of the common things that you see in an outside sales organization is, uh, it's at the beginning when you're hired to take the job. And upon severance, you wind up signing another copy, just saying, like, I totally agree to do this, and in return, I'll get to keep my renewals for two years or something like that. There could be some benefit after you leave. Uh, another question is, when, the non uh, when will the non-competition non restriction be triggered? Some agreements apply automatically, whether the employee's termination was for cause, without cause, or as part of a layoff. Some agreements only apply if the employee resigns or is terminated for cause. Other agreements limit the period of restricted activity to the time severance benefits are being paid. Where the period of restricted activity is limited to the duration of severance benefits payment, the employee is free to forego service payments, severance payments to accept that. So uh, there are some ways that this kind of comes out during, during those. Now, I'm going to link the Reddit forum on here as well uh, down below. I hope this was helpful to you. Mr. Redditor, I would throw out a few things. Are you getting some sort of consideration for this contract? Continued employment probably won't pass muster because um, they're taking something away rather than giving it to you. Original employment would have. So think about that. Um, if it is truly a non-compete, the problem isn't that she won't have her, comp her, um, her client list. It's that she'll have to move to get the job in the same industry. If it's a non-solicitation, which is an agreement not to talk to your prior clients, it's very similar to a non-compete. Uh, it's a restricted covenant, but it's actually much easier to enforce. It's a much lower standard. It simply says you can go work for another bank selling mortgages. You just can't talk to any of your prior clients for a period of two years. They're quite common. Uh, they do fall into the same thing. They're supposed to have a consideration, but they're very likely to be part of the original agreement of employment. They may be sending out a new one. I don't know. But get your terminology right. Is this a non-compete, a non-solicitation, or is it a reminder of trade secrets, right? It's entirely possible from the beginning that they're just saying, hey, reminder, um, you can quit, and we don't have any problem, uh, you know, we don't have anything in writing saying you can't talk, contact our clients, but you can't take a list of client phone numbers. That's illegal, and we will come after you. That's, like, already there, even without any agreements information, the client list is protected. So if she's got it memorized, that's one thing. But don't, you know, if you copy a CRM, if you take her call log, those kind of things, that is absolutely illegal and will get you in a lot of trouble. Okay, 
Ladies and gentlemen, I hope this was helpful to you. I hope that as employers, seeing an employee's kind of reaction to something like this may help you kind of understand how to structure them. Ladies and gentlemen, that's it for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. Check us out on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter at People Processes. Go to peopleprocesses.com, subscribe, and get some of our subscriber-only content. And if you got something out of this, make sure you share it with anyone you know. Thank you for tuning in. Now it's time for you to go out there, have a great day, and get your work done.